So many folks are worried about inflation, about market volatility, about putting their savings that they have worked so hard and now they're facing retirement and those are in jeopardy. So today we're going to have a little fun. We're going to play retirement financial jeopardy, bring you some facts, give you some tips. And well, folks, you don't want to miss this one. Money Matters USA with Fred Sage. And you also need to work with your advisor to create multiple income streams. You're at the right place for information every week regarding all the components of a successful retirement plan. Asset allocation is really a driving force for how much your accounts are going to grow. Fred Sade is a financial fiduciary and retirement specialist. I have to put the client's interest ahead of my own pocketbook at, at all times. I must be able to justify why I'm making the recommendations. Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Fred Sade is the founder and managing director of the firm of the same name, Money Matters USA. And welcome into the podcast with Fred Sade. Uh, this is episode 113, <laughs> lucky 113. And I think it is going to be lucky for Fred Sade because <laughs> we are playing something. And actually, I think this is really cool because now we're ushering in and uh, greeting the month of October. Just a couple of days away. And October is Financial Literacy Month. Uh, so we always drop these podcasts on Friday. So we're looking forward to October and Financial Literacy Month. And what better way to put all that Fred discusses on this podcast to the test than playing This is Financial Jeopardy. Please welcome today's contestants. Today's contestant is Fred Sade. Fred Sade holds a PhD in economics from Duke University. He is the managing director of the firm Money Matters USA. Fred, uh, we're going to have fun with this, but you're going to get out a lot of great information in the spirit of financial literacy on the show today. So Absolutely. I'm yeah, looking forward to it. All right. So what we're doing is <laughs> in the first segment of the podcast, we're going to be playing these two categories on financial jeopardy, important retirement ages and savings vehicles. So, Fred, it's up to you. The board is yours. Pick your category. All right. Well, then I'm going to pick important retirement ages. Okay. What amount do you want to pick that for? Um, $200. All right. We'll start out with 200 The age at which you begin making catch-up contributions to your 401k. What is 50 years old? That is correct. And Fred, how do you act as a coach for many people in that financial red zone in boosting their savings? Well, we talk to them about their budget, about their spending pattern, uh, and about uh, what it is that they have as goals uh, for themselves down the road. And uh, can we jiggle things around, move things around? Can we eliminate some things that are unnecessary? Uh, if they're working from home uh, three or four days a week, um, can they eat at home, not run out, uh, you know, for lunch? Mm -hmm. uh, where can we, where can we get some, where can we get some savings? And I encourage them to put that money away so that their future selves can enjoy retirement. Absolutely, um, and building up as much as you can. Oh, Fred, you're on the board for 200. What's next? Well, uh, 
the same, the same category, and I'm going to go for 400. Ages for 400. The age at which you can begin taking your Social Security benefits. What is age 62? What are the uh, stipulations with that, Fred? And, and, and then also, who does that make sense for, possibly? Well, I think if, if you're single, it could make sense. Or if you have significant health issues, it, it could very much make sense. If you have a compromised uh, health situation and uh, a shorter life uh, expectancy, it might make a, a lot of sense to do it that way. Uh, you know, there's something else to say. At one time, and there's still some people, some advisors who, who believe this, that what they argue is take it early at 62, and then you have more time for your investments to continue to grow. And I think that's false advice because uh, so many people are heavily dependent on Social Security for 40, 50, 60 percent of their of their income. And to be able to maximize the amount you get from Social Security is vitally important. And, and that's money you can rely on uh, no matter what. So I, I don't I don't agree with that. Um, the older advice. And as I say, there are some advisors who still, you know, believe that. Also, uh, you know, you're married, you really have to think about the joint life expectancy, and about what the financial situation you're you'd be leaving, or, you know, whoever it is, whichever spouse outlives, it's usually the, the woman who outlives uh, the man. So, that becomes important to maximize the survivor income. Well, you're uh, you're at six hundred, Fred, and it's your move. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, since I'm I'm hot here, I'm gonna <laughs> stay in the same category for six hundred. <laughs> all right, the age at which people can typically begin Medicare. What is age sixty five? And when it says typically, Fred, does that mean that if you're still working with your company health insurance, you don't have to take it then? Is that what the, why the typically is in there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have, if you have qualified uh, coverage uh, in, in, so, that, uh, so that you can begin uh, a deferral uh, of, of uh, having to take Medicare, uh, then you're, you're fine uh, staying in the company plan. Um, COBRA does not count. Aha. Uh-huh. It does not count. Okay. So no. you really need to take it. Well, then you wouldn't need COBRA then if you got to take Medicare. If you, uh, Well, so, some people want to stay on COBRA for, for, for different oh, I reasons. See. Okay. Quality of the, you know, of, of the benefit that yeah. they're getting. Uh-huh. Uh, so is one reason. Sometimes they believe they're going to go back to work uh, and and then be eligible in, in a corporate plan. You know, the other thing is, if you're working for a smaller or mid-sized company, mm-hmm. or if you're working for a company that's been acquired, particularly by a foreign uh, parent, um, even if you're in the plan, they're going to require that uh, Medicare be primary and, and the corporate plan be the secondary. So it would, it would uh, stand as a Part B, Part D plan. So that would be another reason why you you might very well be pushed into uh, enrolling in, in Medicare. 
Well, we're learning here as Fred is winning 1,200 now, and I've detected a pattern here, so I'm going to assume <laughs> <laughs> that you want to go with important retirement ages for 800. This yeah. age is the latest that you can claim Social Security. What is age 70? So who is the uh, – you mentioned you have to think about your spouse, and if you're the yeah. highest earner, that's the one it really makes sense, right, to wait till 70. Oh, ab- absolutely. And, you know, um, we have software, you know, that will let you game Social Security. And uh, this is not something that people should try to do on, on their own. It's way too complicated. Um, and – Sometimes a maximum strategy, depending upon health, could very well be 68 or 69. It might not be 70. Okay, okay. But usually it, it, it is. And the lower earning spouse might take it at, uh, at their normal retirement date, which let's say is 66 or 67. Mm-hmm. Increasingly, it's 67 now. Yeah, for those born after 1960, it's locked in at that. All right, so yeah. wrapping up this category, important retirement ages for 1,000. This is the age that you must start taking your required uh, minimum distributions. What is uh, age 73? And that's relatively new at the passing yeah. of Secure Act 2.0. Yeah, it, it is. And I'll tell you, I get more questions about uh, RMDs, inherited uh, uh, plans where you've got RMDs. Is it, do I have to take it? Is it a five-year? Is it a 10-year? I mean, it, it's just mind-boggling confusion that the IRS created. And unfortunately, uh, Congress chose not to clean it up in, in Secure Act 2.0. I really wish they would clean this up. Uh, it, it is very, very complicated, and I cannot believe that the that Congress intended the level of complexity that the IRS has provided uh, for us. But if they don't do anything about it, and we eventually will get a uh, technical corrections uh, act, uh, if they don't do anything about it at that point, I mean, I, I just it's a head scratcher, you know. Because the other thing. Liz, I, I'm absolutely convinced that uh, the claiming age for Social Security is going to jump up to 69 or 70, and eventually it'll get to 73, 72, something like that, you know, because of longevity. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know where this RMD is going to fit in if you've got Social Security claiming at 73. And, and that, and I, I see that as a, as a possibility, as you were pointing out uh in our previous podcast, the article in the Harvard Gazette mm-hmm. about it, about uh, the first person who to live to age 150 has already been been born, uh, right. and uh, I, I think that's that's very realistic. So uh, you know, uh, the um, as longevity increases, I mean, it it just becomes a question of uh, you know when do you start um, these the uh, retirement plans and. You know, it, it's a question of how long will people work uh, and will they be encouraged to work and will there be no reason to stop working mm-hmm. as early as they do now? Right. I mean, age, if you stop, stop, let's say, at age 55 and longevity is, is 100 or 102. That's a I long guess, time. Yeah. I mean, uh, you have you have been retired longer 
than you worked. And will you have enough time to create sufficient amount of, of assets and savings to carry you through some kind of 50-year retirement or 60-year retirement? Exactly. And that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah, and you're already uh, dealing with longevity now and have been for a while and, and will continue to, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, Fred yeah. has racked up 3,000. You also reminded me, I, I need to get that link to that Harvard Gazette article on the on the podcast because I said I would do that. So thanks yeah. for the reminder on that. A new category for Fred Sade on Financial Jeopardy, retirement savings vehicles for 200. A traditional pension was essentially replaced by this retirement savings vehicle in, re- in not only, not say maybe recent years, but over the decade, recent decades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is a 401k? You know, it goes back to the Revenue Act of 1978, or at least that's what uh, eventually ushered that in. We were talking about it. We've talked about the uh, at least the younger baby boomers, many, if, if not most, uh, only have known a 401k and not a pension. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's absolutely true. And, and 401ks are, are really challenging because when you had a, when you had a pension, you knew exactly how much money you're going to have plus Social Security and then whatever other assets you had. I mean, if you had a, you know, seven to, to 15 year retirement window, uh, that was perfectly adequate. Once you pull the, the, pl- the pins out from under the uh, retirement benefit, uh, plans, you the, the 401k does not give you a defined benefit. Now, I know that uh, Secure Act, the original Secure Act made it possible to use annuities. Nobody, nobody really did. Uh, and even now uh, that the Secure Act 2.0 uh, provided more guidance on it, it's still a big risk to stick an annuity uh, in, a, in a pension plan. So I don't, I, I am not saying uh, a lot of early adopters uh, on on that, and I keep on um, uh, trying to keep track of that as much as I as I can. I, I, you you still have to look at uh, you know what are your options inside the plan as well as options outside the outside the plan, and some of the big um, fund consortiums if I can use that term, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're selling um, uh, over-the-counter over commercial annuities. Uh, this, you know, um, not always every every company, but, you know, they'll have a few companies that, that they are representing, and, and they are commission-based, uh, those annuities. So, I mean, even they concede that, uh, that uh, you know, guaranteed income is absolutely uh, essential. Uh, and also above and beyond uh, what Social Security provides. Retirement savings vehicles for 400. When it comes to medical expenses, this savings vehicle has a triple tax benefit associated with it. What is an HSA? And how does it work with a health savings account? Well, first of all, you have to work for a company that offers one. A lot of companies don't. But basically, basically, uh, you can uh, designate money to go into an account. Uh, And if you're married, it's a a higher amount than if you're not married. And uh, you can you can use that uh, those monies to um, reimburse yourself for prescription drug items as well as certain over the counter uh, items. So when you get your receipt, uh, you know, from which, whichever big box uh, store you go to, it'll tell you which are HSA uh, eligible. 
or which are FSA, flex spending accounts, which mm-hmm. are slightly different. Uh, and if you don't use it, you can always uh, roll it uh, into an IRA, and, and that would be at the, uh, you know, you would, you know, at the end of your uh, working career. Uh, but by that time, most people have pretty well exhausted their HSAs, and they haven't. Generally, uh, once you go on to Medicare, you can't put money into an HSA, but you don't lose your balance. You can use it. So yeah. you can you can use the account to reimburse yourself. So eventually, you're at zero balance if you don't roll it into an IRA. What if you have I high? Think, I, I don't know what the statistics are, but I can't imagine mm-hmm. that there are a lot of people who roll it into an IRA. Probably not. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's such a good triple tax benefit, without a doubt. What if you are? You mentioned if your company offer or provides it. What if you are self-insured, for instance, through the exchange, and it's high deductible? You just have to, I guess, check with the company to see. Yeah, I I don't believe that. An, I, I could be wrong, but I've never seen an individual HSA. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's either going to be so, uh, a sole proprietorship uh, or it's going to be, you know, single member hmm. LLC. So I don't, I don't believe that. You can it's you not. can uh, cover yourself with an HSA. I, I know it's one of the complaints of the high deductible plan for the, for those who are self employed, uh, and, and that is that it's it's a big out of pocket. Yeah, and I, you know it seems like everybody now has that high deductible plan. All right, so, so you're on the board for thirty six hundred. So here, let's wow. move on uh, for six hundred, and this is from Retirement Savings Vehicles. This tool helps you create guaranteed lifetime income. What is an annuity? But as you pointed out on the podcast, there are different types of annuity. And how is it guaranteed through an annuity? Well, annuities are really guaranteed by the insurance company's claim-paying ability. And what you're doing is you're transferring the risk of outliving your income to the insurance company. You want to use a quality company, company has a good reputation, an honest company, or good companies or bad companies, just like they're good good people and bad people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the company, uh, once you transfer risk, insurance companies are in the risk business. So they're they're holding that risk and they pool it. And uh, they they create what's called mortality credits. Uh, And each payment is a combination of principal, interest, and mortality credits. And the longer you are alive and the more money they've paid out, eventually, if you live long enough, there won't be any money left in the annuity, but you continue to receive your, your funds. Some, for some companies, it's a level payment. For other companies, it, it can be an increasing payment. That depends on the company, and it also depends on what your needs are. Not everybody wants or needs an increasing payment. Other people do need an increasing payment. Depends on what you want your money to do for you. It depends on your spending pattern uh, as well as your budget. And you are on a roll. Here we go for 800. (laughs) This retirement savings vehicle can be started by an employee even if another plan is in existence. What is an IRA? So if you have a, let's say, would that be like if you max out your 401k or do you don't necessarily need to max out the 401k? Why would you look at an IRA in addition? Well, there are a lot of reasons. You, you, you might have a spouse. You might want to do a spousal IRA. Only one spouse has to be employed. 
uh, or you perhaps you didn't max out your 401k, or maybe you did it deliberately. You don't like you don't like the plan choices mm-hmm. in the 401k. Um, something Congress never considered. You may not like your 401k, uh, and you would you prefer uh, an IRA, a traditional or self managed IRA. You might want other asset classes that you cannot get uh, in in the uh, uh, company's 401k plan. Uh, now, if you've maxed out, you could always do an after-tax, a non-deductible uh, IRA, or you might want to do a Roth. Uh, yeah. So you might. It, it just really depends on what it is you're trying to accomplish and how much and how much you want to put in each bucket. And finally, for a thousand, this is from retirement savings vehicles. The way your funds are distributed across asset classes. What is diversification? And what is proper diversification? That's a great question. <laughs> um, that that is that is really good because there are different theories about what is what is proper diversification, and it really it it you really have to start with the end uh, in view uh, because you're really saying how much of a legacy. Do I want to leave or do I want to spend down, you know, right to, you know, a zero balance? Now, that's going to determine not only what your diversification is, but it's also going to determine uh, in terms of, uh, of choices, but also uh, the tax treatment of, of, uh, of what you're going to put your money uh, into. And then it's going to determine the distribution uh, order, in other words, the traditional, traditional kind of view is um, you want to postpone Ross, you want to postpone uh, tax deferreds, you want you want to you want to empty out the taxable first. Now, some people still advocate that, uh, but most of the studies that I have seen uh, contradict that. So all of that is is on the table. Uh, when you are looking at the distribution order, and, and that's going to ha- that that really backs you into the diversification. It, it, so I mean, it's it's the old thing: don't put all your eggs in in one basket. Yeah, definitely. Well, Fred has wrapped racked up six thousand, and we're not done. Uh, in the next segment, we'll cover the categories of retirement rules of thumb and penalties and fees. Two more important categories. This is how Fred's observing the uh, beginning of October uh, literacy or financial literacy month. And we sure could use some financial literacy you've taught in the schools now. I know, Fred, we've talked about this. I know when I was, for instance, in high school, very little talk of the uh, benefits of saving early and young when you're young, early in life, and also the power of compounding. We just really didn't cover that. Well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned it. But when I was in elementary school, the school that I was in, um, Every week they would collect. You would put money into a saving, a passbook savings account. Really, nickel, dime. Um, okay. And then we moved, and the school that I was then in, uh, in the fourth and fifth grade, um, they didn't have a savings a savings program. Mm-hmm. So when I turned eighteen, my mother said, "Oh, by the way, I've been holding this thing for you, you know, since." Uh, 
fourth grade, third grade, actually. <laughs> and, and I, you know, believe it or not, uh, it was a considerable amount of money. The interest just, oh, wow. you know, compounded. I, I was uh, flabbergasted. What a great I, idea, though. Yeah, I moved the money from that account uh, to, uh, to, to a savings bank closer to uh, where I lived. Mm -hmm. the time I was living at home, still in the nest. Yeah, <laughs> well, but that is a, that. Well, okay, so it, it. I guess it depended on the school, and that is an excellent idea. Uh, I'm glad to hear some schools are doing that. Uh, maybe they are now. It's been a uh, and a month of Sunday since I was in school, so maybe things yeah. have changed a I, little bit. I don't know. Uh, you know, I I don't know. My my granddaughters are are in elementary school, and they don't have they don't. They them. don't. Nope. Nothing. Wow. Nothing yeah. about money. Yeah, they told us to write a check, but uh, but we're we're getting into some good, uh, well, financial and specifically retirement information, and we have more financial jeopardy coming up on Money Matters USA. Hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, and fire. These are serious situations that we plan in advance for. The volatility of the market can be just as devastating. Get a plan meant to last, properly balanced, fully customized. That way, when a market correction does occur, you'll be ready. Call Fred Sade at 800-593-8188. That's 800-593-8188. That is it. 800-593-8188 gets you in touch with Fred Sade or the website. It's moneymattersusa.net. And when you're there, Fred talks about his red light program. Be sure to click that tab. Uh, you can also click podcast and hear the other 112 podcasts. I have put that link up to that Harvard Gazette uh, article. If you'd like to read that, that's available too. Uh, on the uh, landing page of the most recent one, last week's podcast. But you can just scroll through the entire menu. Again, moneymattersusa.net. Well, it was fun. And the first segment, we're going to have fun again with something we are calling Financial Jeopardy. And we're playing with Fred Sade, and we're observing October Financial Literacy Month. Fred racked up $6,000. We got our second segment here, and we will play Final Jeopardy, and we'll see how much Fred wagers. But here we go uh, with the uh, first category, Retirement Rules of Thumb uh, for 200. Many considered this age to be the magic number at which people could retire. What is age 65? And I guess that probably has its origins with being uh, Social Security original full retirement age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, lockstep. 1065, retire, apply for Social Security. Yeah, exactly. And But now, what are you seeing now? Is, I mean, I guess there is no magic age, really. It just depends on no. the person. No, I, I see people, especially... Uh, since the pandemic and also because of all this inflation that we're now experiencing, people are working longer. Uh, and I also see people who are retired going back to work because yeah. they can't make ends meet. And, and they're running through their um, uh, accumulated uh, savings and investments mm -hmm. much faster than they anticipated. This market is, is uh, highly volatile, a lot of risk uh, in it. And... Um, and, and people are, are running scared, uh, afraid that they're going to run out of money. 
and so they're going back to work. Uh, whatever that whatever they can get doesn't have to be. Some cases they're doing consulting. Uh, other cases they're just picking up a job here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, no big deal, you know. Uh, and I think I mentioned I saw somebody that I uh, had known professionally. Uh, hadn't seen in a few years uh, and he was uh, security quote unquote mm-hmm. at a local movie theater and basically he was just you know telling kids not to, not to run and scream and not to throw yeah. their uh, cold drinks all <laughs> over the carpet <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of basic uh, basic you know, stuff. breaking rules keeping order no high stress job well i guess it could be high stress if you've got some rowdy kids in there uh <laughs> yeah it is you don't want to offend their parents everybody takes umbrage today that's right yeah you're right um all right let's move on uh, for 400 uh, in the category retirement rules of thumb this rule of thumb involves withdrawing a specific percentage of retirement funds annually yeah, that's that's got to be uh, what is the four uh, percent rule. That's right, and you've talked about Bill Bingham, who originally articulated yeah. that, has backtracked on that. Yeah, I mean it, it's really not a rule anymore. It's 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 just a a guidepost. Um, you know the. Uh, th- this is a mo- the, the four. It's a moving target. I mean, if you look at Morningstar; it does a monthly report. You know, it's been at two point eight, two point two, three percent, three point two. Some people are going to say you can take out six percent, seven percent, eight percent, and then I mean, they're all over. The, they're it's all over the the place. I mean, basically, uh, there's only three ways that you can get money. One is flooring. Uh, the other is a safe withdrawal uh, method, and the other is um, uh, guidelines, guideposts. Um, uh, so this is within the safe, the safe withdrawal um, category, and and you know it, it, this is really going to depend on 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 the individual. I mean, it, it always comes back to what do you want your money to do for you? What's your budget? And those are the two things that have to be answered. You, you can't go anywhere without knowing the budget and, and an agreement on what you want your money to do for you, the amount of income, your assets, the, how much risk you want to take. I mean, this is very, very essential. And if you can't, you can't get if you can't if you can't get those questions nailed down flat like linoleum, you're not going anywhere. There's nothing. There's nothing else to talk about. Um, and that, that's the most basic. I mean, it, people have a great deal of difficulty with deaccumulation. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we are always taught to save. We want to accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. Now, when, when we reach the point where we are retired, uh, we have to deal with deaccumulation. It's very difficult for people to deaccumulate, to get their head around it. That's why people have businesses where, where, where you call them in, what, 800 junk or college guys, you know, who own a truck and yeah. have junk. You know, that, that's all deaccumulation. What what are the what, you got realty companies? Uh, the the person dies, they clean out the house and they sell the house and give the money to the heirs. It's all deaccumulation, various types of deaccumulation, but it's still basic deaccumulation, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what you're doing. You have you have to generate income. In retirement, there's nothing more important than than income. Everything else is conversation. Income determines the your retirement level and how much you're going to enjoy your retirement. It's all about income. 
It that, that it is. I uh, for six hundred. This simplified formula helps measure how compounded interest impacts your investments over time. Yeah, rule of seventy-two. How, uh, how does that what work? Is the rule of seventy-two. Yeah, how does it work? What, how do you do that? Well, you can use you can use seventy-two and to tell you uh, what rate of interest you need to uh, reach a certain target amount of money, or you can alternatively use it to determine um, there's a, there's an amount of money. What is the interest rate that needs to, that you needed to get in order to to reach that number? Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, it, it it's it it's a principle on interest in, interplay, and it's vitally. It's vitally important uh, to know what that is. And even if you don't know how to calculate it, you you can just open up search engine mm-hmm. and, and say, uh, calculate rule 72 for me, and it'll show it to you. And then you can figure out from there what it is you're, you're trying to you know, calculate. Uh, and this is important. When we're sitting here with, with, with high inflation, higher than what the Federal Reserve is admitting to, I mean, if you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics numbers and then you drill down into the charts that they provide by sector uh, in the economy, you'll see it's higher than what the Fed is telling us. The point is that if you're if people look at uh, nominal rates, that is uh, the rate of return is 5 percent. That's a nominal. But if you net it for inflation, you're getting the real return. So if we have five. Let's go with the Fed number. If you're going to say we, we have 5% inflation and, you, and you're getting a 5% return, effectively you're at zero. Um, the bond market only looks at, at real rates of return, headline inflation. They don't care about anything else. Uh, they don't care about modifiers, uh, adjusted, de-anything. Uh, de, de, de uh, um, they, they are only concerned with the top line. So rule of 72 is important because what you really want to know is what is the real rate that I'm getting, not the nominal rate or somebody would say, oh, we've got an APY of such and such. What is the real rate? That's what you need to calculate. Moving on to for 800, uh, the 60-40 portfolio would be split among these two classes. What are stocks and bonds? Yeah, that's uh, but that's kind of is that that's kind of outdated, isn't it? That thinking? I think it I think it is. You know, whenever whenever you have stocks and uh, whenever you have stocks and bonds acting pretty much alike, um, you you just don't have uh, bonds acting as a buffer. I'll tell you, you know, um, Secretary Mnuchin, who was the Treasury Secretary under President Trump, uh, he wanted to go with with fifty year bonds. But Congress would not go along with that. Mm. So how would you like to be sitting with a 30-year bond coming due in 2050 uh, at at one and a quarter percent interest? (laughs) The discount on that bond right now is about 48 percent. And if you recognize that every one percent discount erodes 18 percent of face value, when you're sitting with with that one and a quarter percent bond, wow! You, Whoa! You 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 can't you really can't sell it because the discounting is so heavy. Yeah. On it. Golly, well, so that didn't fly then. That idea of that. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to uh, a thousand uh, from this final in this category. This formula creates a figure that, when converted into a percentage can help to determine the appropriate risk exposure for your age. 
Well, it's usually what is um, uh, 100 minus your your age. So like if you're 60. Yeah, uh, but right now, because of the extended longevity, a lot of people are doing 120 minus your age. Yeah, I've heard that, yeah. It was just probably— Well, you know, you have to make a decision. Do you think the equity market is is, uh, over-invested? Now, some people do not. Right now, it's trading at about 19 times future earnings. The the third quarter, from third quarter of this year, uh, excuse me, the last quarter of this year, fourth quarter of this year, and the first three quarters of next year. Now, some people think that it's not, uh, it's not discounted uh, uh, extraordinarily, and that's perfectly normal. Um, you know, the stock market is a, disc, is a, is a futures discounting uh, machine. Now, I, I personally think it's oversold, but that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd be very cautious about equities, uh, and I'd be very careful about what I, uh, what, what I, put, what I put my money into. Uh, right now, yeah, and uh, and right now, cash uh, because the real rate of return on cash, uh, you you can get uh, a a uh, a return above the rate of inflation. So you do have to look at cash as a viable asset. So Not your only asset, but it's a viable asset. With the rule of one hundred, if you're sixty, sixty percent of what you have should be safe by that rule. And you mentioned I've heard that the rule of one ten, the rule of one twenty, due to longevity. But doesn't it all, uh, in in a way, does that doesn't make sense to me because the people are still retiring around the same age. Uh, that seems to kind of knock it off kilter a little bit um, with that thinking. Uh, Well, let's move to penalties, maybe do a little fast track on this final category, penalties for 200. Uh, If you begin your distributions from an IRA prior to age 59 and a half, you would encounter this penalty. Uh, What is the 10% excise tax penalty plus ordinary income tax? Yeah, and then what can you do after 59 and a half? What does that open up for you? Well, you, you can take penalty-free uh, withdrawals. Um, and that's an interesting point because it's one of the criticisms of the SECURE Act 2.0 is that the overwhelming majority of people in 401ks are taking withdrawals before they reach age 73. Mm-hmm. So some question right. about what's the point of, of doing that right. when people need that money to, li- to live on. But um, the 59 and a half has not been changed unless you are changing employment. And then, of course, you you have the rule of 55. That's right. That would help you. All right. For 400, the amount of time an individual has to roll over funds from an IRA or qualified plan before incurring a penalty. What is 60 days? And whoever, why would it? Why would anybody go that long anyway with it to reach that penalty period? Um, I've, you know, I uh, I have advised people over the years if you're going to take the withdrawal, open up a conduit IRA, stick the money in a bank account, uh, and then um, then do your rollover. Mm-hmm. Uh, other, uh, you know, people tend to cash the check, put it in a checking account. Not a good idea. Uh, you can you can get into trouble that way. For six hundred, by waiting to begin collecting your social security benefits, you may gain up to. What is eight percent a year until you reach age seventy? And then you've got to take it at that point. Um, 
I uh, said so we talked about that earlier. For some, it could definitely make sense to, to put it on. Well, that's right. Now, there is a trick. Um, you can go to 70 and a half. You won't get any increase in benefit, but you can get a lump sum. Mm-hmm. So oh. as long as that doesn't reduce your benefit, you, okay. you can get a lump sum at 70 and a half and then get your regular monthly check. And some people do that uh, because they want they want to get some spending money. Oh, I see. Okay. Moving on. Let's see here. 800, if you miss your first mandatory retirement plan withdrawal, you might be subjected to this hefty penalty. Well, what is 25%? Used to be 50 that's right, and twenty-five uh, percent. And if you rat yourself out, it's it drops to ten percent. Uh, right, right. If you, you know, <laughs> I like the way you put that. If you rat yourself out, because you, and I've I've heard that if you, and this is all Secure Act two that if you correct yeah. it in a timely manner, it could be reduced to ten. And the other thing too, Fred, I've heard that when it was fifty percent, did they really enforce that? No. Okay. No, it was it was it was so why too, even it was have too, it? Oh, it was too draconian uh, to charge somebody uh, an excise tax of fifty percent. Yeah, an excise tax is not deductible. Right. Yeah, that is. All right. Let's I, see. I, it hurts. I mean, I, I sitting here it hurts. <laughs> well, it hurts me to think about. It, then you still got to pay the taxes. Uh, for, and finally, here for one thousand, you can earn up to this amount while receiving Social Security benefits before being penalized if you claim early. Yeah, twenty one thousand two hundred and forty dollars. What is twenty one thousand two hundred and forty dollars? And there are people who work part time. To, to get to that number, and then they don't work anymore. I see. In, in the in the year, yeah, you can you can do that. I mean, so suppose you're work you're you're working a concession. Mm-hmm. You know, suppose you're you're at a ballpark or or a high or a high school or college stadium. You, you know, you you you're you know you're self employed, and you can uh, make or, that much or, extra. Yeah, yeah, or you're you know you're a contractor. You 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 get paid on your sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but uh, again, you know, that when you claim Social Security, it's uh, something that Fred can talk to you about because it is different for everyone, and that's part of that process. If you schedule with Fred at 800-593-8188. Well, we've come to the close here, and it's time for Final Jeopardy, and here is the category for Final Jeopardy. Imagine that. It's retirement. Uh, How much would you like to wager of your $11,000, Fred? You're just a regular. Ken Jennings here, eleven thousand. All. I'm going to go for all of it. Let's yeah, go all. So okay. Go, go, all, go for broke. <clears throat> going for the gusto here. Going for broke. Fred Sade on Final Jeopardy. Here's the answer. The most important four-letter word to consider when preparing for retirement. And remember, is, this is rated as clean, this podcast, Fred. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, Usually, well, I won't kid around. What is a plan? Yes, that's correct. And, Fred, that is exactly what you talk to people about every day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, people who are successful, frankly, they have more than one advisor. Uh, because no one advisor they would they feel can meet all of their needs. Whatever the case is, if if you don't have a written plan, and if your advisor hasn't provided you with a written plan, one that you can understand, and um, using the army method, that is, I brief you, I t- I read every line 
in your plan, every word, and I ask you to repeat it back to me. If you can't do that, then I brief you again. Mm. I mean, eventually you're going to be able to tell me what is in your plan, mm -hmm. your written plan. You must have a written plan. If you don't have a written plan, you don't have a plan. Then you're winging it. Right. And, and just, you know, you're, you're totally ad hoc. And you, you know, as the spirit moves you, as you think you need it, and, and that that's an impossibility. Um, once you have a written plan that you understand, the plan has to include certain elements. Your budget, as I've indicated earlier, you must have a budget. You must decide what your money is going to do for you. You have to know what your money is going to do for you. It can't be what the insurance company wants or the stock brokerage wants or, or Vanguard wants. Just, uh, just, I'm not picking on them. It's just the first name that came to my head. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it has to be exactly what you want your money to do for you. Now, once you make that decision, then the other aspects of it fall into place. How much risk are you taking? Are you taking 5%, 2%, 3%? Are you taking 40%, 50% risk on, on all your assets? Say you have $2 million and you lose 100000 Well, your life is not going to change. If you have $2 million and you lose a $1 million and you're now working with a million, your life is going to change. So how much risk are you willing to take? How much risk are you comfortable taking in the context of all your other or your goals. Volatility and risk are not the same. The things are highly volatile, but that doesn't necessarily adjust for risk. You have to look at risk differently than, than volatility. And um, we need to know how much income you want, how much of it has to be guaranteed, uh, de dependable, that you can count on. People who have guaranteed income spend more and spend more freely than people who do not. They spend their life worrying about money. Am I going to run out of money? Mm -hmm. You know where your money is coming from, and every month your your um, bank account will be refilled. You're going to spend money because you don't have to worry about it. And then you have to look at how much will I have to spend for health care, unreimbursed medical. As, as I get older, I have to deal with long-term care type expenses. How am I going to pay for that? What's my what's my strategy? I need to do estate planning. Estate planning is pr primarily for most people. It's about the financial plan. So you need a will. You may need trust. You're going to need a durable power of attorney or springing power of attorney, health care proxy. All these things are, are are necessary. Living will. These are these are uh, foundational uh, documents that that you need to have. They need to be updated. Um, and that's what we do in, in our red light on a dashboard program. We, we, this is not just a once over lightly second opinion. This, this is really detailed planning right down to dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And you come out of this with, with a plan that, that it's your plan, that you know what's in it. You can repeat it. You don't have to worry about it. And you go on and enjoy your life and be happy. You don't have to worry about money anymore. That, that's the whole 
end of the of, of what we're trying to accomplish. Well, and that's so, the idea uh, behind it, definitely. Uh, Fred will talk to you about it. Uh, schedule that initial consultation with Fred, 800-593-8188, 800-593-8188, and also at the website, which is moneymattersusa.net, moneymattersusa.net. Well, with Fred wagering everything, he comes out at $22,000 today on Financial Jeopardy. Thanks so much for playing along at home, and thanks so much for following us on the podcast, Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Investment advisory services offered through Money Matters USA, LLC. Fred Sade and his guests provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell in any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to the securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Money Matters USA, LLC. By contacting Money Matters USA, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.